Welcome to Continuing the Conversation podcast, an expression of FOS. FOS is a community creating space for everyone to find hope, beauty, and purpose in the story of Jesus. Continuing the Conversation is one of the ways that we're trying to create space for an expanded dialogue and interactions based on the conversations we're having at FOS. Man, so basically, man, Let's let's just take a moment, like let's kind of just uh, unpack some of the stuff that we talked about, man. I'd love to just hear your thoughts about how you're responding to both of those things actually moving together. I know for for me, what became rather moving is where you expressed that there there exists a need in a certain way of holding faith to strip others of righteousness. They said, and sometimes in holding on to a sense of self righteousness or self inflating that it only exists to the degree that we can lower other people. And that plays out very strongly, especially to me in how we can um, read and how to loosen the passage, because it shows me that we often want to see ourselves at Christ's table, but we stand at a distance like the crowd who are sneering, that we always Mm -hmm. read ourselves like, of course, we would embrace scandal to sit with Jesus when really we typically would sneer at Jesus and be like, no, like you're doing this wrong. Um, Like you said, aren't you just appealing to victimhood when you say the system's broke? Yeah. No, yeah, man. Yeah, like as I was reflecting on that, man, and and like it's it's funny because you you know how when you're you're creating the message and you're putting all the pieces together, um, or as uh, T.D. Jake says, you're digging for the bones. Uh, you know, you're doing the little archaeology part, the research part. There's so many things that are coming at you and like something will happen in your week. Something will happen in front of you that crystallizes. It's like, this is how I need to, I need to approach this. Right. And so it was that Facebook message when it popped up, it was like, okay, the angle that I'm taking makes sense now all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. like, obviously I think Zacchaeus kind of comes a little like Zacchaeus it comes a little bit on a different angle, but it's the same story. You know, you know what I mean? Like Zacchaeus is like, oh man, we're trying to hold you up. We're trying to hem you up based upon your past. Um, but again, like Zacchaeus would be the oppressor in the story, not the oppressed, right? So, but it, at the same time though, regardless whether, like, it's like, uh, oh man, why don't I just, I, dang it, I just blanked on his name, Tribal. What's, what's the guy's name, Tribal Talk? Oh, Willie Coleman. Uh, <laughs> It's like it's like Dr. Willie Coleman says, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, liberation is actually the, it's, it's when the oppressed and the oppressor are both liberated from the systems of oppression. Right. And so we have this story that it plays out on a little bit on the other side of the, the Facebook, the Facebook comment or post. But it's the same. It's the same story. It's the same thing. And instead of saying, hey, liberation is a good thing. It's like, let's make fun of people for actually seeking liberation. Like, like it's, it's just that stupid to me. And what I like there, especially when we're thinking about social media, is there's a certain act in social media since we're usually disconnected from the people we're talking about. And we're talking to people that sound like us. We're responding to things because the algorithm feeds us. It funnels us things that already agree with us. And we get this moment of virtue signaling on social medias. So just like the crowd outside that are sneering, like you said, they, they can't let Zacchaeus be able to become to that next stage to say, yes, God is with him too. They start sneering to each other and do the virtual signaling because everybody knows you're the right kind of person when you look down on the wrong kind. Everybody knows, um, like for that, for that post, when you can say, oh, they just are trying to be perpetual victims 
so that everyone reading it knows, oh, so you're not, you're the strong guy. You're the right kind of guy. You're the one who makes things happen. And it, it becomes a backhanded way to elevate. Yeah. Because you're not really, because yeah. if it was just straightforward and honest, they would have said, I'm so awesome because I am strong enough to manifest destiny everywhere rather than the backhanded way of saying, well, look at these people over here. I'm going to virtue signal pretty strong that I'm the real righteousness and these people are jerks. Yeah, no, exactly, man. It just makes me ask the question, man. Hey, who hurt you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, but, but, and, but, and, and I say, I say that joke and I, and I do laugh and, and maybe that's not the best, the best response truth be told, but we have, but the reality is, is that I think like we typically, we have multiple responses to trauma, right? But like, if we mm -hmm. were to try to categorize them and just generalize them a little bit, just for the sake of this conversation, it's like, you have the people who say, you know what, I'm going to own the trauma. I'm going to walk through the trauma. Like this is part of my story. It's not, it doesn't define my whole story, but it is part of my story. And, and this is how I move forward. And then you have the person that says, what trauma? There was no trauma. Trauma what? Trauma who? You know what I'm saying? And it starts sounding yeah, yeah. like, like, you know, like an old Jigga song, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and it, it, there's, there's this impossibility to actually deal with it then. And, but they, but they usually do that by either hiding behind a callousness, like, like, like a strong man, a strong man, like uh motif, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. um, or facade. And that's what comes across. So when, like, when I, that's why, like, literally, when I, you know, when I, when I said joke, like, in a, in a joking manner, like, who hurt you? The reality is, I'm actually asking, like, what trauma are you trying to cover up? Because the only way forward for your healing is actually to unearth that trauma. Mm. No, I like that. Um, especially when it says that you have to do some of that personal work. I mean, it plays off the metaphor well that you use. Uh, at times, some of our religious discourse, some of our talking and uh, meditating on Christ sounds more like a frat house than an invitation to hospitality. Yeah. Because frat house, like you may have negative experiences of it. You may not have. You may have trauma because um, we don't know if these people had trauma that they're responding to. But there is also this large self-perpetuating that um, some of these systems cause trauma. And like you said, you may not be able to name it because you have a closed ending for how this works. So of course it's this way because it has to end here, which means it's not trauma. This is just how life is. And trying to pause that enough to say, actually that has a negative impact on multiple people. That's traumatizing, that's harmful. That's one of the ways that Jesus um, would not use to bring life to these people who are already harmed. Mm -hmm. So, when it comes to that moment, we're actually not standing with Jesus in that. Um, we're carrying on the energy of the frat house that we've been taught because frat houses can teach you how to be men because the, the, it, it is a masculine form. So frat houses teach the people just out of high school how they start to try to shape the kind of men they're going to become for the jobs ahead of them. So whether it is active objectifying women, whether it's ragers that go out of hand or whether some because i've known some people who said theirs was actually dedicated to charity work but it shapes the kind of ending of stories you can see yeah. and in that um these stories become important because if you have a closed system to where zacchaeus can never be present then you're always going to have a system that ends the same way it's going to re-traumatize re-traumatize the same people 
or for those who are combative, especially like a tax collector did harm to his community. So in those, it has no ending that did not allow space for the change in a tax collector. That yeah. said, no, you're the enemy. You'll always be the enemy. There's no freedom for the oppressor. There's only vengeance. Yeah. No, no, definitely, man. And like, even like to like to bring it back into that like second, um, I mean, first century uh, story that that's happening mm -hmm. there is to me. I find it interesting. Like even that question of who hurt you. Right. Because you have like these religious folks are not acting in a bubble like like Zacchaeus is, is actually a person that was is connected to the trauma that they've experienced collectively. But instead of processing that trauma, they, it, there's a strong man front. Right. There's this like like for them, instead of be, instead of trying to be like uber male or whatever like that, there's mm -hmm. like uber uber religious. You know, you know what I mean? I, like, I'm going to be super holy now. And so that my super holiness means that there has to be people who are not holy, who are not part of like the, like the sacred table in a sense, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so instead of, instead of actually allowing the pain to be transformed, to be healed, it's, it's, it's just, a, it's just, a, a, a how do I put it? Like, it's like, we we allow that to actually be the distancing mechanism, if that makes sense, right? So whether it's it's the post from Facebook, um, and, and again, I, I don't know I don't know homie super well, so I, I'm not I'm not trying to assume that he has like this massive trauma in his past. But like literally, that's the question that comes to mind for me is like like mm -hmm. what are you actually trying to distance here? Like why do you need to play this motif? Why do you need to play this narrative? Why do you need to put that forward? And I feel like it's the same kind of thing. It's like to the religious the religious crowd who are like. You know, basically, as, as you, I think, I, I don't know if you actually said it up here or not, but like the whole idea of the Greek course, and they're basically saying, oh, man, uh, Zacchaeus is a sinner. And if it was like, if it was a musical today, they'd be literally doing jazz hands, like, ah. right, like doing that. And, but, but the whole reason is, is like, they're actually responding to a certain level of pain as well. Um, so, but it's, but Zacchaeus is the one that moves forward and says, okay, like this, this pain is not, is, is being transformed into something different. There's a movement towards wholeness. And I think there becomes like, I think there becomes this uh, jealousy almost uh, with, with religious folks when they see people, other people be liberated because they're thinking that their liberation comes from their quote unquote holiness or their quote unquote macho-ness or whatever language you want to put there. And there's a, well, I actually, think there's a jealousness that comes at, at, hmm. at, 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 and that's why there's such a vitriol um, and volatile response quite often. Well, and I think what you're pointing to actually shows some of the energy of the passage to where it uses a, verge, a verb of stopping. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, which is the expected end of the story that everyone is seeing. And you're right. Um, the end of the story, the expected narrative is the bad people are going to pay for what they've done, which would include Zacchaeus, the one who sided with Rome, who used Roman coercion to force people to pay more money. So you have these cycles of violence that are perpetuating that they can only see one ending to it's going to be a war, not just a war. It's going to be a holy war of slaughtering. Yeah. And it says Jesus stops and moves towards the table. So the whole flow, the whole energy come to this abrupt hit. And almost like it gives you enough time to take a breath when you're in the middle of a rant or rage. Oh, I, I think my this energy is taking me too far one way. And he goes and he sits. So that whole time almost invites us to stop, go and sit and say, is there a different ending or are we trapped in a never ending perpetual silence of 
violence breaking and enemy making or can we say that this place at the table yeah so you said perpetual silence like you were saying perpetual cycle is that what you're meaning well, violence is what i meant to say but said silence and that happens oh no i just wanted to make sure i was clear on what like because because i'm like no. maybe saying something profound that i'm just not catching not at it's all like, it, it's so brilliant it's, it's so brilliant i don't get it <laughs> sometimes yes today no yeah no i, li I like that man um and then like just jumping forward into mm -hmm. into what you brought to the table in, in 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 your portion of the message um i really liked the juxtaposition that you made um with the like the holy and the uh, and the i think you said common or profane um and then like 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 the holy and the blasphemous and 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 being at the table of christ is like it it, it was this it's this weird reversal where where the blasphemous is actually said no is to be holy and the holy was said to be blasphemous in a sense because they actually couldn't sit at the table with christ right um and i i really i really i really liked that 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 reversal i really liked that flip that you did there and, and highlighted in the in the mix of those two passages because i think those are those two stories um are bookends like stories you know what i mean because right before like right before that passage of the rich young ruler it actually starts off with the tax collector and uh, and 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 a, and, a, and a pharisee at, at, at the temple one being like don't you know thank god i'm not like this dude and at the end of, and at the end of like that whole travel narrative it's all of a sudden you have jesus saying but thank god that you could be like this dude <laughs> that you could be like the tax collector and so um, I love how I just love how you brought that together because it, it actually two it's two it's two stories that we almost never put together. But the the author of Luke was like, you have to read these two stories together or else they don't make sense. And 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 and, and truthfully, they 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 help us to form the lens in which we see when we read them together to actually create that juxtaposition. Um, otherwise, we actually we off of both narratives we actually create kind of weird theological dogmatic ways of being just more religious versus saying it's actually a liberation from both of those narratives that actually allow us to sit with christ and again it's nothing against religion or anything like that it's just it's just this notion that uh often we allow religious practice or this idea of practices that make us holy and those practices can often be just be a substitution for sitting at the table of Christ, just the same way that um, other practices in our life can be a substitution for allowing us to sit at the table of Christ, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Because um, when we let go of one of the stories, which uh, just creates a new holiness code. So if we say that um, you don't want to be like the young ruler who never even gets a name, he just gets social status and clout. So we must be like the tax collector. Well, you can go really far that way and then, well, there's nothing to be done. Everything is cool is as long as you're just chaos. And so letting go of one to go to the other, if you're not holding on to both, uh, just makes a new holiness code that draws the boundary around a different set of people rather than following Jesus's move of inviting the young ruler in the same way he invited all the apostles. He said, follow me. But then he led him to the table so that it, it broke down every ex expectation since Zacchaeus naturally wouldn't want the, the young ruler who's obeyed the law his entire life. They would be social, just um, 
aggravation to each other. Yeah. They, they would be that thing, the typification of who harmed me because the tax collector would say he was harmed by these people. Um, the ruler would say that we are coercively um, overcharged by this tax collector. So they both have justifiable claims against each other. And Christ said, you who think you're flawless must sit with the tax collector. And that's the table I'm at. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting too. like just what you said, there's just something that kind of like popped in my head as you were talking there is that Jesus invites the rich young ruler to follow him. Right. But when Jesus shows up to Zacchaeus, it's like it's been appointed that I'm coming to your house. So like mm -hmm. there's actually not an invitation to follow him. And it, it makes me wonder if that narrative is actually like kind of where you hinted at in the message. If the, the whole invitation to the rich young ruler was actually follow me to the table of the tax collector because there's a reconciliation that I want to bring forth. There's healing that I want to mm. bring forth in the midst of that. Um, because there, yeah, because it's like, because like just when you were using that, the word, like he was invited to follow. I'm like, yeah, but the, like, you know, Zacchaeus wasn't invited to follow. And, and, and but it was actually his house was the destination. That, yes. that was that was a divine appointment. You know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I'm getting my Pentecostal vocabulary out, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was like, and that's the beauty to say um, that the divine appointment was you have to accept the hospitality, um, not convert. You have to accept the hospitality, not reform. That the point is kind of like what I said, like the point is presence and participation, which opens you up to celebrate the unexpected. Yeah. And, and that promise of the unexpected, which we don't often see, I'd say, at least um, within my training, like all my time in Bible college and grad school, all they wanted to train me for was the expected. They would say that, you know, to be the right kind of person, it was all modeled off the young ruler. I needed to dress like middle management, have a tie. Um, everything kind of had to be business casual. And they had a very controlled expectedness to it. If you do A, B, and C, here is the reproduction you can make yeah. rather than the holy original act of saying, if you'll follow me, you're going to be in a place that's going to ruin your reputation at a table. That's going to make everyone question how you got corrupted by Jesus. Cause that's the way it would have been seen. Jesus yeah. broke the perfect yeah. disciple. Yeah. And you're going to sit at the table of one of the most hated people and you're going to scandalize everybody. And this will be where Jesus takes you. Yeah, no man, I, and I, I just I love that language you're using. Jesus broke the perfect disciple, right? Because like I look at my own story and my own life, and I was never the perfect disciple, you know, by no means. But I also realized like Jesus broke me from even having that possibility. I, like I just look at my life where like we talk about like I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I, I don't want to I don't want to like unnecessarily like like punch people in the face. <laughs> But um, you know, like even even with some 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 issues that 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 we've had with organizational structures, let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. Organizational structures, it's based on you guys are too inclusive. You are sitting with the wrong people. You are too generous with your presence and the presence of Christ's table, right? Like it's like that 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 like that's the critique. That's what you're doing wrong. It's not like. Man, you're going out there and you're harming somebody. You're doing something harmful. It's like you are too generous with your actual presence and inv invitation to Christ. And it's like, man, okay, when I'm when when you when you phrase it 
the way you phrased it, Jesus broke the perfect disciple. And that's actually was, that was the beautiful part of the story. I'm like, damn, man, we're a good company. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, um, yeah, that, that's the part that really mystified me in reading um, Parallel is just for everything we hope to create. And even most of the things we teach about what following Jesus looks like moves towards the more stable and the more predictable and the more perfect disciple. And yeah, he took him and said, oh, you know what you need to do? You need to learn how to like unlearn all that and come have a yeah. beer. Yeah, it's- no, it's exactly, man. And that is, it's, and it's funny, man. I can't help but think of our time in Hawaii, man, when we were going to plant a church mm-hmm. in, in, in this one neighborhood and, and we, we had a pub lined up. We had all these different things. It was like, for us, it was like, yeah, this is a, this would be a great place to plant a church. And we were literally told you can't go there because there's alcohol. Honestly, it's, it's the fear of being contaminated. It's the yeah. same fear that had the ideal disciple move away from. It's the same fear that had the Greek chorus move into a time of saying, I critique you for sitting at the table. Yeah. It's the same fear, honestly, that had Zacchaeus hiding in a tree rather than thinking he could step in front of Jesus and be seen. Yeah. Like Zacchaeus did a lot to see Jesus, but he also did a lot not to be seen by Jesus because he had that same fear that we can't control the outcomes. So I need to protect myself from harm. Yeah. And in that we create perpetual models of disciple making that are scared to be contaminated. And we use good language about, you know, scripture tells us to be above reproach. Um, You need to be without sin. And we use those as generic categories to warn people from being around the wrong kind of people. Yeah. When Jesus's entire story is about a God so impassioned by distance with his creation that God sat with creation, said, you can't get to me, so I'll come to your table. And even in yeah. this, in Jesus, God come to earth, said, you don't think you can make it to the temple? I'll come break bread with you here at your house. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and, and yeah, and even say what you're saying with uh, like like the the notion of like, we think the ideal disciple is, is that movement towards above reproach idea, right? Um, mm-hmm. but that's, that's truncating the actual passage that that comes from, right? It's, you actually have to have, it's actually to have a good reputation with those outside of the church. You can't have a good reputation with those outside of the church. If you don't think they're worthy of sitting at your table or are you sitting at their table? Right. And so mm-hmm. we actually, like by truncating that passage, we actually make, um, a perverted version of what we think holiness actually means. And I'd say, uh, rather than perverted to me, I'd be, I'd say inverted because like with what, what you did there, say we, to be above reproach, um, we become so isolationist that we're like, well, I need to make sure all the other people that are already gathered here sees me as good. Mm -hmm. When, like you said, outside the passage would be to say, I need to make sure that the people that I bump into that have no affinity here would say, you are good people in kind of the same way it says in, in John says, if you can show love as I have loved, people will know this is real. Mm-hmm. And the way Jesus loved in this, and also it, it hit me. Um, first John makes the things like 
that which you've heard and that which you've seen since the beginning. And it uses those two verbs throughout those two passages about the Greek court line, people in the crowd around saying, the one who has heard and that which we've seen, that's where they get scandalized. But that which they've heard and that which they've seen from the beginning was a Jesus willing to embrace scandal to make sure people could be present. Yeah. It was not a Jesus who was willing to scandalize those who were unsure of presence until they made themselves worthy. Yeah. And we definitely. And I'd say um, we do it, we reinforce the scandalizing those who are unsure because we're polite and we're good, usually in microaggressions. We rarely come full out, but we make sure to set pretty strong boundaries. We label it in wisdom and comfort and say, well, you know, brother, for now, we just need to make sure you're safe. And sometimes there's wisdom in that. Like when you have people working with children, you want to make sure no harm will come. But often we use that fear-based reasoning to make sure to set boundaries so that everything that comes through the community looks like us. And the people who are comfortable with the community sound like us. And the things reproduced by the community could be seen as our children. Yeah. And I don't want to push it a little bit farther because when you say sound like us, look like us, act like us, like that language, it's not just like they look like us, sound like us, act us, act like us within um, like a broad spectrum idea of Christianity. What we're really saying, what you're really saying is, is really about dominant, mm -hmm. homogenous culture. It's really about um, call, like, like colonial Christianity in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. We really want them to be assimilated into a very white version, European centric version of Christianity. Um, Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's like, like that thing that we learned in that one missions class that we, I think we took together where it was talking about like, why do Micronesians in 115 degree weather uh, find themselves wearing wool suits from the 1940s? Like just as a question mark. Right. And it's like, because they like the people who quote unquote gave them the gospel also gave them a bad sense of fashion that didn't make sense for their climate. Right. Uh, and I think like that's the version of Christianity mm -hmm. that uh, the religious Greek course, you know, use that or that when we when we see folk, when we post things on Facebook and we're being cyber bullies, um, it's this version of Christianity that says we will beat you into submission. Um, but, yeah, you need to be submissive. Right. Like right. and, and it's, it's, it's that whole it's that whole thing. Um, and, and, and it's just a so it's such a harmful version and I, and, I, and I actually, I want to say it's, it's I, I, you know, the, the word perverted, like I, I get that it's a trigger word for some people and a lot of people, mm -hmm. but I think it is actually a perverted version of following Christ. It's a perverted oh. version of being a disciple. No, bro, I agree with you completely. And just because I thought you would edit it out if I used it, my opening um, statement was um, the more we move away from Zacchaeus' table and we're willing to scandalize Zacchaeus rather than the surrounding crowd saying, look who you associate with is the more we become the antichrist. Yeah. Like, why would I, but why, why would I edit that out, man? Well, because it can sensationalize. People are like, oh, no, crazy 1980s theology. That's bad. But I think that's a conversation for another day. But I think you're placing your insecurities about, <laughs> about theology on me, man, because I'd be like... Okay, no, my bad, because I deleted it because I was going through it. I was like, man, Carl's going to say I'm being 
too um, exacting in this, and that's mean. It's like, nope. fine, I'm gonna get rid of it. I would not. I would not say that. I would be like, you know what? You should have a better play of words, where it's like, you know, we think we're sitting at the table of Christ, but we find ourselves sitting at the table of the Antichrist. We think we're being disciples of the of, of God but we find ourselves being false prophets of the dot, 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 dot. I would have well, been like, man, you should go all out with it. You should make well, a whole way, sermon about it. <laughs> I went different because um, to me, and, and a lot of these kind of coercive statements where we try to make everyone sound, look, and be like us, we, be, we don't become churches of solidarity. We don't become tables of fellowship. We become markers of anti because most people know what we're against, not who we stand with. And so, we become absurdly anti-mask because my freedom is more important than public health. We become anti-gay because um, we have an exacting understanding of the way relationships work. We become anti-foreigner. And I have this notion of going, which means that what we are becoming is essentially anti-Christ. Because every time we move away from the table of Christ, we actually stand anti, we stand against the work and compassion of Jesus at Zacchaeus' table. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, and I just want to make a, a, a small, like, just kind of, like, contrasting statement, because, like, I think this is the difference of experience when we talk about um, different stories, different experiences, things like that, mm -hmm. because what, what you're referencing is very unique to what's happening in America right now, and the American dominant culture church, and... And again, not to put that on the rest of the whole body of Christ, but let's be honest. Like, if your hand is if your hand is 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 infected, and and you know has gangrene and stuff, it's going to affect the whole body. And so, mm -hmm. when these things are happening in the in in the, the the United States and in the church in the United States, we cannot be oblivious and say it doesn't affect the rest of the body of Christ. But I just want to make like I just wanted to to, to kind of like nuance and draw that out a little bit because I think there's like some folks will be listening and be like, oh man, like that's not my I don't know that's not our churches aren't anything like that. My my church hands out masks or whatever. But let's but like, we we have to we actually have to be honest and res and we mm -hmm. actually are responsible for our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So um, if if they're doing harm, it's our responsibility to actually try to move towards health for the whole body as well right no that's great and yeah um i'd say even to be fair to american churches which is where i'm at is we have a um cacophony of voices all saying different answers and there are some saying we need to social distance well we need to wear masks we need to be mindful and this goes with every spectrum of questions we ask about the table this goes to questions of inclusion, questions of race, questions of social justice, questions of equality and finance. Is the church, you have some saying, here's how we move forward towards more equitable, more humanities being represented. And you have some saying, no, 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 there's a glory day. It was about 1943 and we were awesome up until about 57. That was the sweet spot. So we have different answers um, for it just unfortunately sometimes the loudness of some um, makes it seem stronger than what it is. And yeah. that's the thing that we have to remember, like what does our call do? Who are we willing to scandalize to make the table have more representation, have more people being able to be present? If you're only willing to scandalize those who might bring you um, under scrutiny to other people within your religious tradition, and you're not willing to embrace inclusion, 
by saying those who actually like in the story that there's real angst. Zacchaeus has done real harm. So it's not like he was a saint and we're saying, oh, he's just a little bit different. It's like Jesus brought him to his own table and then didn't insist on reform. But because of that act of Jesus's table, he said, I must move towards restoration of people. So we see this effect of presence equaling participation in the restoration of other peoples being brought about because only a tax collector would know who he harmed and needed to restore relationship with. So only the people who have been affected and only some of the people who have affected can say, here's where I can see the restoration of Jesus coming. And because of this, I move towards. And the table becomes expansive and generative and it must be longer. And because of Jesus, we can't shrink the boundaries Otherwise, we become antichrist. We move against Jesus by shrinking in the boundaries to include only the ones we're comfortable with. Yeah, and and I th- like like, like I, I I really appreciate what you're saying, and what it makes me think of this quote from David David Fitch. And again, like when we're talking, I would just say I'll just preface it by saying like when we're talking about the table and even the table of Christ, um, like maybe we don't explicitly say it all the time, but like. We're t- like like this is Eucharistic language. This is language of communion. This is language of the Lord's table, Lord's supper, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, like when we actually take the bread and the wine together, when we actually move together in those ways, we are actually enacting the stuff that Glenn is talking about right now, right? That you're talking about right now. But it, but I'll just say that it goes to this this quote from David Fitch that I, that I always love. Um, we live in a world that hungers for Eucharist, the sweet fellowship people experience in the presence of Christ. There are countless places where people gather to seek Eucharist, and yet it remains unfulfilled. We must seek out these places and go as guests. And that's what we see happen in the story, right? Like Jesus literally is bringing the party to Zacchaeus' house. Um, And, you know, if there's a good party, there's always going to be haters at that good party. Um, But that's what Jesus is doing. I think it's it's like this, this is probably... And I've never thought about it this way before, if I'm really honest about it. But like, as we're unpacking this story, this is probably one of the more profound um, Eucharist passages in the Gospels. Mm. And I would ask, because, yeah, I, I love that. And But what really hits me in that is if we're supposed to be the body of Christ, most of the time I, I've seen when the body of Christ moves, it wants to dictate where it lands. Yeah. So it says, here's the moral coding that we want to insist upon. So what is that difference when we come as guests, like uh, David Fitch said, when we join Jesus in becoming a guest of Zacchaeus rather than uh, someone standing over? Yeah. Well, I think like, I think it's, it's really easy. Like for me, at least um, like if I, if someone invite, if I'm going to somebody's house, right. Like I, like I don't just open the door and walk into the house, right. There's, there's, I I knock on the door. There's, there's permission. There's, there's allowing other people, actually deferring to other people first and foremost. And when you walk to the door, it's like, it's like, what are the rules of this house even? Right. Like, do I take my shoes off at this house? Do I leave my shoes on at this house? We ask these kind of questions. Right. We don't. And then we don't walk in and be like, all right. Oh, you guys were making all that food. That sounds nice. But I brought KFC with me. You know what I mean? Like we actually defer to what is happening in that space and, and enjoy the hospitality of that space. And I think so when we show up as a guest, it's not because um, like we, we want to put the onus on somebody else, but we actually want to put 
like we want we want to create space for the reciprocal the, the reciprocal idea of blessing to take place because sometimes when we show up like if you're a good guest you don't show up empty-handed you bring a nice bottle of wine with you you bring some you know you bring a dessert with you you bring some it's collaborative in that piece but it's still deferring to what is happening in that space and i think like 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 at least in my perspective of, of, of the way I understand kind of dominant culture Christianity in this moment, at least within North America, is even with our big push to like, we have to go invite your neighbor to church, go invite so-and-so to church. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but the reason we want to do that is we want to set the terms. We want to dictate the terms of how they can be present. But if we show up to people's houses, we have to say, what are the terms of me being present here? And me being present here allows us to, you know, like me coming as a gracious guest that in that sense actually creates a very, very different dynamic where we let go of any sense of power we think we have. Mm. No, no, that's good. And especially because we've all had those experiences. At least I know in the back of my mind, some of them are family, some of them are friends. We all know those bad guests. The yeah. one who steps in and then like a party that Brittany and I were, were throwing and a guy came in, it was the same thing, didn't take off his shoes. He was like, oh, it's hard to reach my shoes when everyone else's shoes were at the door. And then I went to grab some food and all the food was gone. And he was eating and goes, oh, you didn't get any? This is my third plate. And I was like, aha, awesome. Yeah. Um, like we, we have the moment that people jump to mind. And so Christianity, because... Um, Right now, like that study that came out that said there's like a the largest percentage of people no long that were raised within religious systems are no longer claiming any affinity to those. And I think it's directly re related to this. We've realized beauty in people, but we're never allowed to engage them because we have to come in as masters. We have to come in as controllers. We have to come in and dictate terms, like you said. We can't come in and celebrate. We can't come in and say, what are the rules of your house? What does it look like for me to respect and to honor you, Carl, when I come into your living room, eat your food, and I sit with your friends? Because yeah. um, often we've been taught, well, no, you can go into those places, but as soon as you walk in, one, they need to know what kind of Christian you are. Two, if you see anything colorful, you need to call it out. You have to name a sin a sin. And then you need to have a salvation message at the end of the weird dinner party that you ruined um, rather than saying, wow, thank you so much. This food was amazing. Yeah. You were so hospitable. The grace of this house is beauty. Like yeah. we, we think we have to come and fix rather than experience. Yeah. And I, yeah, no, I agree, man. And I think like that's, that's the beauty of not just seeing, like the Eucharist as like this trend, this action that we do in, in, in a church building or something like that. But we actually mm -hmm. see every table that we um, show up to as guests that we host in our homes, that we, that we are present at as an opportunity to enact the Eucharist. Um, and when we look at it that way, we, we see the beauty that you're talking about in the world around us. It's, but at the same time, we also see it within our own houses. We also see it within the body of Christ. Right. And so like, this is not to, I, I, I never, I don't want to like shame other Christians be like, like you can't possibly be da, 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 da. You know what I mean? Cause I think it, we, 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 we end up getting up on our own self-righteous soapboxes and, and, and becoming judgmental and becoming the, the Greek course in a sense mm -hmm. uh, of, of this story. 
but at the same time, let's, let's, we want to celebrate it. We want to celebrate where we see goodness. We want to celebrate where we see the beauty. We want to celebrate where we see grace. We want to celebrate where we see Christ present. And I think that's the beauty of what it means for us to show up as guests, but also for us to be a people of invitation and hospitality. Like it's both and all of it belongs at the table. No, I really appreciate that, what you said, that every space, because um, kind of like last week where we talked about um, Eucharist invites us to stop looking at heaven, to look across the table. Yeah. In the same light, um, you're saying every table, we actually stop looking up towards heaven for the divine ideal and start discovering Jesus in the eyes of the ones in front of us. And we come as gracious guests of this table, which means sometimes we bring things and sometimes we allow other people to do things to make sure that they see themselves as value added. Yeah. It becomes a Eucharist table. That it's that relational exchange, not just the ritualistic act. It's those moments when that's what the ritual is supposed to remind us of. That as, as we consume the broken body of Christ, as we like to say within the community, become the broken body of Christ, it enables us to see each other as incarnate to see each other as a place where Christ dwells in many different forms and ways. And the more we can become attuned, the more we can see that, the more each table can actually have, um, as we like to say, a sacramental reality, a sense of a touch of grace that we can experience God and Eucharist in that moment. Yeah. But it's linked to me seeing God in you, me seeing Christ and reflected in you, not in me trying to make that happen. It's a, it's a response, not a um, strong action. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, like, I, I can't help but think of uh, like the, the the Orthodox, the, like the Orthodox Church's stance on the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. um, and where they say that a church is anywhere that the Eucharist is administered properly. Um, and I, I get that we have a different take on what we mean by proper when we say that. But I, but I, I love that actual like language, like like the church or the table or the Eucharist, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's where when the Eucharist is administered properly, when we show up and the Eucharist is present, um, when the presence of Christ is is acknowledged in 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 the way in in the ways that we're talking about today, um, that's a beautiful thing. That's that's the church. In the, when mm -hmm. you know when Christ is present in a way that transforms and and heals a person like Zacchaeus, that is that 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 is that is the church. You know what I mean? When the invitation is extended to those um, who would be ruined as the perfect disciples, you know what I mean? Like, like, and because of the presence of Christ, like that is the church. And, 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 and so, uh, yeah, I think we, we probably, as I said, we probably have a little bit of a different take on what we mean by administered properly, but there's something beautiful about that, that, that whole expression. Thank you for joining the conversation. As always, we would love for you to share your thoughts with us. For more information about FOS, visit www.fos.church. That is www.fos.church. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Peace.